Hey friends, your pal Mike Shea from Sly Flourish here with another episode of Sly Flourish's Lazy GM Prep. In this weekly show, I go through steps from Return of the Lazy Dungeon Master while preparing for my Sunday D&D game. In this case, I am running the Cobalt Press hardcover adventure Scarlet Citadel. This show, like all of the work of Sly Flourish, is brought to you by the patrons of Sly Flourish. Patrons of Sly Flourish get access to all kinds of exclusive adventures, previews of upcoming products, the City of Arches sourcebook, all kinds of tips, tricks, and tools to help you run your D&D games. But most of all, they help me put on shows like this. So to the patrons of Sly Flourish, thank you so much for your support. I'm having a little bit of trouble with Scarlet Citadel. The good news is... That trouble has not yet manifested down to the players. My players are enjoying the game. I've talked to them about things that have been going on. I'm so, some things that we're going to discuss today that have bothered me, that aren't bothering them. But I've kind of boxed myself in a little bit. If you are familiar with me and my style and my work, I try to. I, I consider myself. I consider myself very much like a fan of the players and a fan of the story. And what that means is, I am willing to play fast and loose with the rules in order to make sure that the, the the fun of the game is still there. I'm not opposed to rolling dice. I'm not opposed to having strange and interesting things happen. Strange and interesting things happen in my games all the time, particularly because of dice rolls. But I'm not opposed to like changing up an encounter depending on the kind of feel that you want to have for an encounter. I've had criticism laid upon me that is not invalid valid criticism some some somewhat valid criticism that if you're monkeying around with things like the four dials if you're familiar with the four dials of monster difficulty the number of monsters the amount of hit points those monsters have the amount of damage those monsters do and the number of attacks that those monsters have are sort of the four dials where I feel like you can tune and change a battle by dorking with these and there's a lot of arguments about like when you when you if you're changing hit points on the fly you're not really tracking hit points. You're not changing. You're not, you're not, there aren't hit points. Like if you are, if you're modifying the hit points of a monster in the middle of a fight, you might as well not have hit, hit points. And instead you're just deciding when a monster dies, which is a little true and a little not true. There's, there's, there's details in there. I've described the idea that the hit point dial, you can think of it as being set on average and you can turn it a little bit depending on how things are going. But if you let go, it'll snap back to average again. I've talked about this kind of thing. Like, I'm not just saying, oh, I'll just make up any number you want. I'm thinking, no, but you, you do have the ability to change a, a battle to make it feel a certain way if you want, if, it, if you think it will be better and more fun for the game. Now, you can give hit monsters more hit points or you give monsters less hit points. And there's some extreme examples where it's like, you probably really want to do it. An example is a battle's just going too long and you're taking up too much actual time and you want to move things forward. Go ahead and drop the monsters to one hit point and let the next attack kill them. Just get rid of them. That, you know, there's no reason to have a sloggy, boring fight if you can change it. Likewise, there are times where there are monsters that really should feel bigger and badder than they are. And their, their actual hit points that they have, the average hit points that they have are just not enough. Most of the time that I would increase hit points, I don't do it on the fly. Most of the time, if I'm increasing hit points, I would do it ahead of the game. And I would try to stay to that. And then I might look and say, like, is this good? Now, I am known to say, like, wow, one character is doing so much damage, they're getting all the kills, but the next player would be really fun if they got a kill. I think I'll have the monster last one more round and the next hit will kill it, just so that somebody else can enjoy a kill once in a while. I've done that kind of thing. When you modify things that way, but you're running fights that are clearly deadly, the question is, are you, are, are you pushing the game to feel a certain way? And so in, a, in an adventure like Scarlet Citadel, where in, a, in an adventure like Scarlet Citadel, 
where the game is built very hard. It is built that it is what I would refer. I mean, an, an antagonist DM adventure might be a little extreme, but it's certainly a design of like, it's going to be hard in places and the characters are going to find themselves in situations that are going to be harder than they can handle. And if you're willing to monkey around with numbers of monsters and hit points and monsters and these other things, are you taking away that like potential TPK situation or not? And, you know, so let me get into some of the details. We will look at look at me all prepped. I loaded my Albert Rodeo. This is the battle that they're currently in. So what happened is the characters left characters left Scarlet Citadel after defeating the jailer and Scar, the jailer's right hand man. They returned to Red Tower. I ran my strong start where they first of all, I did my out of character thing. Hey, let's talk about leaving other characters behind. What does that mean? The character who was left behind said, I did not mind that the other players that the other characters left me behind. That wasn't a problem. But I said, you probably we probably want to make sure that if we're if we have characters where it makes sense for them to run. We want to make sure as players that we're okay with that. I don't want a player to feel like they're getting rejected by the other players because their characters are doing what their characters would do, which is flee while their friend is getting eaten by a giant, a giant guy. And also, we ought to think about the characters and does that, you know, are, I think it will be interesting if the characters grow into the idea that they wouldn't leave somebody behind unless that person says, fly you fools and, and says leave. That, I think like, if, a, if another character says, I'll hold them off, you guys go. I'm totally good with that. But if they're like, hey, wait a minute, guys, guys, right? Well, the, the, the jailer is, is twisting a corkscrew into the center of the mushroom folk guy. And, and they're like, he's like, hey, ah, and they're all like, we got to go. So that, that's the kind of question. I think it's fun for character development that like their first foray into the Scarlet Citadel was panic and running. I think that that's an interesting thing to kind of come back from. So they left, they went back to Red, Red Tower. They met with their patron at Red Tower who was manifested by the Weird Weaver who said, there is a twisted force that is, that is twisting my power in the depths of Scarlet Citadel. I, 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 I need you to go down there. I don't know if anybody else is going to be able to accomplish it. I need you to go down there find out what's causing this force and stop it. And so like, okay, we got that. And then they, then they did a little bit of stuff around town. They went back to the Scarlet Citadel where they met with this woman here in the room of the river sticks so they went to the shrine of, of karen where they met ushalux and ushalux I'm, I'm i'm i think ushalux is going to be a fun npc because she is both like a quest giver and an antagonist at the same time and i think that it's fun for her so she kind of told the characters and she gave the characters i remember like last session i talked about how i wanted to give more firm quests about things going on and i and i gave those firm quests that there are four wizards operating in scarlet citadel and those wizards are all twisting up the nature of the, the the power of what's going on in the scarlet citadel and all four must be stopped if you're going to stop this thing so that way we have a bit of a, a kill bill style quest line you have these four lieutenant you have the four bosses you got to deal with the four bosses a couple of them are on the very next level so they might be able to take care of those bosses pretty easily but then there's two more that are all the way down in the bottom so they have to figure that out but that should that gets them moving they know who to go after they know what they need to do and she told them that and that's because she really wants the power of this place but then she's also like well I don't know if I'm wasting my time with these people. Let's see if they actually survive. So she mentioned like there is, you know, and, and one of the characters who is a shade heard a voice saying, come, come to me from these chambers on the, on the left side of the map. And then everyone else is like, Oh, what's in there? And she's like, well, you know, there's, there's great power in there too. And she kind of led them to go in there. She didn't say like, you should go in there, but she said like, you know, there is power throughout all this place, including in there. And they went inside and the way this chamber operates. So this is the first chamber of the crypts. 
And the the issue with the crypts is that it is designed that it's not a place you, you really want to go. That it is a very, very dangerous, it's a very, very dangerous place. And it's way more powerful than the characters are when they go here. The characters are still second level. They're actually over-leveled because they're supposed to be like first or second level down here. And they're second level already. They've been second level for a while. I, I, I think I'm going to tie them taking out the first next boss as, as third level, like getting down, getting down to the next level. And I might either get, you know, I might give them third level as they hit the next level. That might not be, that might not be a terrible way to go. We'll figure that out. So they have the, the Holzinger Ancestral Shrine is where they went into. Big mausoleum, 20-foot high ceilings. They walk in the front door. Again, this is one of my design issues with this adventure is there's so many words. And really a summary, a summary of these things because it, I realize, particularly with this adventure, the difficulty of referencing stuff when you're playing the game. You don't have time to read five paragraphs, six paragraphs of text to remind yourself, oh, what's supposed to happen in here? And what happened was, so I read this and it was like, if the characters spend any time investigating the sarcophagus, especially if they open it, the presence is sensed by undead. Well, I'm like, well, I, it seemed like a good point when like the, the, as they have spent time monkeying around in here that the undead become aware of their presence and start showing up the mistake i made one mistake i made was following what the book says which is a specter passes in corporeal through a false war and one shadow per character drifts in well a i over i overshot the shadows we had five characters i thought we had six i forgot we only had five and i threw six shadows and shadows boy shadows are deadly at second level i don't know what it is about cr1 half monsters but cr1 half monsters are just brutal at their challenge rating they're just brutal this one has only 16 hit points in ac12 but it's resistant to almost everything and it's resistant to a lot of things that characters that you know characters aren't going to be able to get past but look at all the things that they resist which means that 16 hit points is really like 32 hit points and they hit, they're only plus four to hit, but nine damage at CR one half. Again, that's 18, that's 18 per challenge rating, <laughs> right? Imagine a Balor that hit 18 damage per challenge rating would be like 400 damage. So crazy high damage. And they reduce a, the character strength by 12, right? I'm sorry, by 1d4, which means we had multiple characters have their strength drain. We have one character who has one strength point left. One strength point left. If he gets hit again, he is D-E-D, D-E-D dead. Very, that's Bart. Bart managed to get the hell away. So Bart's not near a shadow right now. So that's cool. So my first mistake was I, what I really should have done. And if you are going to run Scarlet Citadel, I'm going to do a whole video about like tips for running Scarlet Citadel. And this will be one of them. One of my tips for running Scarlet Citadel, and this chamber in particular, is ease them into the pain. Don't just drop the pain right on top of them. Ease them in, right? Give them some rope. Let them, instead of having five specters and, a, and a, five shadows and a specter show up, have one shadow show up, right? The shadow kind of lurks around in the room, almost sniffing, senses life and begins to float. Now like, oh, we kill that sucker, right? Oh, that one's dead. Two more shadows begin to come in. Uh-oh, I hit those two. Okay, that's two. We're good three more shadows and a spectral form comes up. Oh my God, three shadows and a spectral. We're in trouble, right? Ease them in. Let them know like, oh, this is an ongoing thing. The mistake I made was six shadows and a specter all show up at once. And I remember I was dropping the shadows on and the players are like, oh my God. And every time I added one, they're like, oh my God. And I was enjoying that too much. There's too many shadows. Six is too many shadows. And then 
so then the second mistake, so that was one mistake I made, which I kind of blame the adventure. I think the adventure would be better if they, if they worked their way in. And then the second mistake I made was doubling down on it further by saying after they had defeated a bunch of the, a few of the shadows, they defeated four of the six shadows and they managed to, to get the specter to flee. I, they, they did something to specter to get it to flee. They'd already bun, done a bunch of damage to the specter. And I, I had the specter return with more shadows and skeletons are now beating down the doors. And that was my idea of like, it's escalating. And they know like, oh, that's really, that's really dangerous stuff. But now it's too much. And now they're kind of engaged. Like Bard is next to a skeleton. There's a shadow. There are, there are shadows who are blocking the exit of this place. The reason I brought this map up is we can kind of think about the tactics here. So this is their way out. And there's two shadows blocking the way who have taken no damage. Those shadows have not taken any damage at all. And my big question was like, okay, well, what do I do with this? Do I, I mean, I've already made it. It was unfair to begin with because I already accidentally added one shadow and we know shadows are really, really bad. But now I've like gone overboard and I added more shadows, two more shadows, four skeletons and the specter returned. Am I, you know, am, now I'm pushing them, right? I'm pushing them away. I did that because I want them to get the feeling, because this is true, this is true to the adventure. These whole catacombs here on the left-hand side are swimming with undead. And if you read the, the section on this, the, the, the sections like skeletons, shadows, specters, whites, and even wraiths are wandering the corridors. So this section is filled with undead. And that's because there is a open, gaping wound to the drylands, the realm of the undead in, in Midgard, in this place, which I think is fascinating. And I love that idea, and I want to grab onto that idea. But I also, I, you know, the question is like, this isn't fair. It wasn't fair to begin with, but it was even more unfair when I started dorking with things by adding more stuff. Because you really don't have skeletons beating on the door. You don't have more shadows showing up. But I was like, I'm going to double down on this. I'm gonna, it's so hard and they're already having a hard time. What could I do that'd be interesting? It gets even harder. So then I'm like, what do I do? And I was pondering this and I'm like, it's total deus ex machina. If I say like, hey, Malarkey, you notice that there's a glowing white light underneath the crack of the sarcophagus and then like have a magical item that has some kind of light thing, you know, that's like a, you know, specto patromus and, and all the shadows go away. Right. I thought like, that's kind of, you know, that's probably not great. That idea, they, they would buy it and it'd probably be okay. But like, do I really want to have something like that? You know, do I want to drop in a magical sword? The first, like a magical plus one short sword that glows when it's near undead and maybe does some radiant damage to, to undead stuff. You know, do I want to do something like that? And I'm like, ah, it's not terrible. And no one's going to complain about a magic weapon, but there isn't one in here, which is really bizarre, right? Because it's like, you go into the shrine and you dork around with the, you, you dork around with the sarcophagus, but there's nothing in the sarcophagus. That, that's kind of lame, right? I think, like, sarcophagus is sealed with mortar, chipped out with grave robbers long ago. Lid can be lifted by characters with strength with six or more strength modifiers. Gerhardt's body, Ger, Ger, body lies inside, perfectly preserved with a gentle repose. Other than that spell, there's nothing supernatural about the corpse. Any valuables interred with them are long since stolen. I mean, that makes sense, but it's also kind of boring. Wouldn't it be kind of fun if he had something? You know, I, I, I think it would be interesting if there was an item in there and Malarkey kind of could see that there was an item in there. I think that would be fun. But then I had another idea about what to do with this. And my idea was, what if there's something even worse? So I've already doubled up twice. I already doubled up once. The first one, a whole bunch of shadows came in from the walls and a specter showed up. They managed to fight some of the shadows and get away. Now skeletons are battling their way through. And now a specter is coming through. And then I was like, well, one way to do it is the moria scene from lord of the rings 
And in the Moria scene, I would have something even worse go up that these guys are afraid of. So what if there's a wraith? What if there's like this wraith knight and the wraith knight has been drawn in from the dry lands and it wants to know what's going on in this chamber. And as it comes like, you know, the spec, the shadows are like, oh shit. And the, the shadows like flee, ah, right? And maybe even they take opportunity attacks, right? Like they, they, and they're like, what, what, right? And the specter is like, you know, the specter turns and kneels, right? It kneels down and goes and, and, and like supplicates itself. And then like the skeletons like turn around and explode, right? And then this wraith comes through this big wraith like a physically big wraith and they're like yeah gtfo time to go right this this foe is beyond any of you and it would be a total balor scene coming up i think that that might be fun i think that it gets the point like you're not going to fight the wraith the wraith will totally kill you right and i i think they will get that and i will i will say like you you stare upon this beast and realize you are not going to be able to defeat this thing but it gets them away from opportunity attacks it gives them a chance to make opportunity attacks on the creatures that are fleeing you know, it's got all this kind of stuff. But yeah, CR5, also incorporeal. Life drain, 20, 21 necrotic damage when it hits, right? Like, oh my God. So, you know, I think, I think that that is a way of saying like, it's not deus ex machina, but it gives them that chance to deal with this situation. It, it ups the stakes. It still kind of fits the theme of what's going on in the drylands. And maybe I will also have that there is something in the coffin. I think, I think they're due... They're due for something in the coffin. And I'll tell you, a, a magical short sword is always a good idea. You know, a, a magical short sword would be kind of a fun, a fun idea. So, so I think that that's where I'm going to lead. So let's get our notes together for today's game. So we're going to create a new session for today. We generate a new session planning template. Put in our notes, 13 November, Sunday, Citadel. As we do, we are going to look through who our characters are. We have two characters that are out today, unfortunately. I think Bart is one of them. So the guy who had his strength drained to one, I think is one of them. Uh, we have Dorn Greycastle, played by Joe. He is a shade and his, I'm definitely going to tap into him because I want them to see the dry lands. I want them to know what's going on in this section of the dungeon. And I want them to see the dry land. So I want, I'm going to definitely tap in the fact that he is a shade and that he can kind of see undead stuff. I think that that's definitely something I'm going to play with. We have Garble played by Pat. He is a, they, they're a mushroom folk rogue, far traveler. Garble is the, the safest one right now because he is spider climbed up to the top of the ceiling and is hanging down from the ceiling. So they're like, the undead are like, hey, a giant mushroom. We don't care about that. Right, they're not gonna. They're not too concerned about the mushroom. But meanwhile, the mushroom is very, very good. We have met Room Celeth, a frost elf fighter, par parfumier, parfum. Who? Let's see, where are they currently in this battle? So Mez is the one that's right next to the shadows. I think Mez has been hit by them and has had some drained life as well. It's bad news there. We have Sister Malarkey Jones, a tiefling, warlock, and cleric, who just recently picked up a level of cleric, thank God, because they need a cleric, who is kind of following the will of the Weird Weaver, very interested in the will of the Weird Weaver. And we have Screen Skibbers, played by Juliet, who is also out of town. So she, her character wasn't in last session, and she's not in this session either. So, so we can have, you know, Screen can be kind of, we can have some kind of fun character interaction with Screen. I'll probably email Juliet and talk to her about, specifically the conversation about leaving people and how this might be a good opportunity for character development, stuff like that. But really fun group, really great characters. And I've talked to at least one of the players I talked to. I've talked, we've, we had a good conversation about how they don't mind that this thing is like super hard and that, that they're, they're running from stuff. And there is this question like, what are we going to, how are we going to get out of this? And, and, you know, they feel the risk of a TPK. Now, am I changing things so there won't be a TPK? 
kinda, but I'm also the one who put him in the mess in the first place, right? Like it was me wanting to escalate the story that put him in a potential TPK situation. So is it fair to TPK them when I'm the one who's like, hey, you know what? We'll make this better. More skeletons in the shadows. So I don't know that that is wrong. And I, I, I think that's what I'm going to do. And we'll see. We'll see how the players feel about it. So the strong start is Dorn senses the drylands. And I'm going to use for this some art that I know about from a adventure known as, where is it? Baldur's Gate Descent into Avernus. So we go to Avernus and we're going to look at some art for Avernus because there is some cool art in here. Like that's not bad. We're not going to use that piece of art though because it's very particular. I like this piece a lot. So we're going to grab this piece. It's one I know about. And in my notes, I'm going to make a new page. I'll make a new sub page. We can make a new page. We can do a database, right? You never know. They might end up there. For all I know, drylands. So now we have a notion page for the drylands in our notes. So Dorn senses the drylands, right? He sees this place. And I think what he is going to see is a statue of a Holzanger that's fallen through into the drylands. He's going to see shadows and specters drawn to this monument of life who then end up in Scarlet Citadel. He's going to see a huge wraith drawn to the Holzinger statue that all of the shadows flee from and the specters revere. So I want him to see, is it, is it better... I wonder if I should have the strong start be like the shadows start to flee. And, but then he can see the connection between, he can see the connection between the scars that, I don't know, we'll, 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 we'll figure this out when I'm running the game. So, but, but the idea, my, my, my thought and my idea is when I was thinking about like, well, what's the shadow land? What's this connection to the shadow land? So if we look down here, you can see it, it's, it's grayed out because it's under the fog of war. But this portal right here, it actually goes a level deeper. And it's a, there's like a rift, like a poltergeist style rift between the dry lands and this place. And my thought is like, there was something here. Like there could have been a big statue of like one of the Holzinger families. And something so unholy happened that the statue essentially fell through into the drylands. And it's in the drylands. It's in a whole other plane. But it's still like this monument of, of life, this monument of, of, of mor the mortality. And it's stuck in this land of undead. And the undead are drawn to it like a beacon. They're like, what is this thing? And they, as they get closer, they get sucked up from this rift into scarlet citadel not in mass but but you know a fair number of them are getting like sucked up and then the skeletons and 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 ray and whites are reanimated corpses of those that are here where the specters and the shadows and the wraiths are the things that are actually drawn from the dry lands so i think that that makes sense it fits the story i want them to see that without having to go down here but i want them to know and that's this is like a secret right there is an unnatural rift between the Holzinger crypts and the drylands. Undead are drawn to a statue 
of a Holzinger ancestor and sucked up into the mortal world. Drawn up, I would say drawn up. I think that that, so that is a good strong start that gives them the opportunity to kind of deal with it. The the wraith could be absolutely deadly. Like one touch from this wraith would destroy, would destroy people. So that, you know, I think that that's something. So one thing we could say that the unnatural or the necrotic force of the drylands portal is awakening skeletons and whites but and drawing incorporeal creatures like specters, shadows, and wraiths. The portal must be closed to stop this incursion, but the characters do not have the required power to do so. Something deeper in the dungeon or open the rift and keeps it open because it's actually a creature that's down many levels many levels deeper that's that's causing this problem so i think that's a good strong start a wraith comes so i i kind of want the wraith to almost be a villain so what would what would make the you know how do we design a villain out of this wraith so it's from the dry lands make an npc and we will why do I have NPC the Dead Ringers? This is not right. Those are the characters. I think I put that in the wrong spot. Yeah, the Dread Ringers. Okay. So I'm gonna have a new The Wraith of the Dry Lands. We will we'll just the art is really good here, so we'll just copy the art. And you can't copy when you do it that way, you have to open up a new tab. But it'd be kind of fun to have like what is this a wraith of? Is it a is it a wraith of one of the former it could be a former Holzanger? who succumbed to power and now is kind of like wants to return. If we look at the adventure, we go back to the beginning of the adventure, go to the history. It might be fun to have the wraith be a Holzanger. It could be an elf, an elven wraith. Is the history up here? I think, I can't remember if they, I think the history is down in the other section. Yeah. Gerdart Holzanger, first of the Holzanger sorcerers. So it might be fun if this is the wraith of Gerdart Holzanger. What happened to Gerdart? He grew rich. Does it say what happened to the original Gerdart? So it mentions the generations, but it doesn't seem to mention what happened to Gerdart. So I think that like maybe he's like a failed lich, right? And we'll do the first, right? Because he's Gerdart. Wraith sorcerer. He's a wraith sorcerer. We'll give him spell levels. Yeah, so I think that that will be that will be cool. And the idea that Gerdart Holzanger, who you know Gellert is Gellert the Gruesome, is an heir to Scarlet Citadel, but the Gerdart is still here and wants to come back, right? Wants to return. I think that would be kind of a fun a fun villain. So we're really just introducing him. I'm not going to worry too much about him because we're gonna we're gonna fill out the rest. So we have the vision for scenes for today's game. We're gonna have visions of the Drylands. We're going to have the Wraith Sorcerer comes, escape from the crypts. Then I kind of don't know what they're going to do. It's possible return to Red Tower again, or an alternative is travel down to level two. The note, a note from 
Oh, what is her name? Ushalux. U-S-H. A note from Ushalux that says, you survived. Maybe you're not so useless after all. So this is kind of, she's going to have like scrawled a note and left it in the Temple of Karen while she left. She went somewhere else. I think she's going to disappear for a little while. But the idea is like she's sort of this mixture of a protagonist and antagonist. She's like a, an unreliable protagonist. She, she, and she has her own desires and she wants to take over the place and she would be more than happy to get rid of the other four. And they might figure that out and she might say, well, maybe, you know, maybe you get to beat me, maybe not. But I think she's trying to take over the place too. So yeah, she's negging the NPCs or she's negging the characters. Yeah, yeah, kind of. So yes, I think that can work. And then they travel down to level two and level two, let's, let's take a look at what level two looks like. They're going to have to recover because they just got strength drained. Uh, they can do it with a long rest, but they're going to need a long rest in order to recover. So, so I have to figure that out. And then let's take a quick look at level two. So level two is a really interesting, crazy level. I read about it. Uh, a couple of weeks ago to kind of do my homework. And it really has sort of two sections. That's level one. Because this pretty much ends level one. Like the, the crypts, and they might come back and do the crypts later when they're more powerful. They might, they might think they might think they're going to do that. So level two is really two, two sections. The Alchemist Furnace and the Arcane Scriptorium. And there's two elements here. Ooze and time are the two themes about what happens here. So when they first go in, there's like ooze traps... And they, they probably won't, um, they, they have like an ooze incubator room. They have kind of this stuff going on. And, and 206 is, so 201 is where the characters come down. And I'm probably, this is one where you can have sort of the movable NPC. One of the problems that I ran into with level one is that they ran into the boss right away. And, and the idea, I, I think it thematically, it, it's more fun if the characters sort of get to explore the level a bit and then find the boss, which means you can just move your boss around. So let's say they decide they're going to go to 202 first. She's not there. She's in 206. If they go to 206 first, she's not there. She's in 202. So you can move. This is like movable keys. In this case, the key is a boss. And the idea is you can change sort of the theme and the flow of this adventure and the session and thus the fun that people are having by changing the pacing. And one of the ways you change the pace is you don't want them to run into the boss of the level in the first room. Sometimes you, you generally want to have the boss run into, you know, later on. So you, you can have some fun and you can change the pacing of the game by moving, by moving the, the, the key, in this case, the key being the boss. So I'm going to have her kind of show up wherever they, not where they go to last, but I want her to explore the place before the boss shows up. And she is working with this furnace in 206. And there's some dust goblins here. Those are, those are fun. They're kind of jerks. And then we have by ooze methods and she could be here. Dineska Meskalov could be here and she can do all this kind of stuff. I do like the idea that like, you know, she the, the the alchemical nonsense this is a great table the idea is like if the thing is blowing up she'll be yelling at the characters to do things like you have to you know have to pull the lever on that dynamic chain inducer or the primordial flux inverter right and so it's it's, it's a it's a three-part random table to come up with jargon the crystalline stress leakage 
right? Or link, this crystalline stress leakage linkage needs to be dealt with. The thermal, the thermal chain inverter needs to be properly calibrated or the helical flux inverter, the helical flux overdrive needs to be changed. It's a fantastic table. So I want to find a way to use this. I don't know. I don't know how we'll do that. I'm kind of hoping that they will come to that room second. Dire gelatinous cubes. So, you know, fun stuff in here, fun, fun things that are going to go on. And then you get, if they, if they go to the other section and they might, so this, this would be okay too, that from that first level, right down here, if they were to go into 201 where the trap is, then 207, and then bend around to the north and head to the west, they're going to head to the other section of the dungeon, which is this part. And that's when they start getting into the time magic stuff. And boy, this is going to be, this is definitely going to be, going to be tricky. But I think, so when we think about a secret, oh, I had some secrets from last week about, I had some secrets about the drylands that I wanted to drop in. The steel secrets. So these all got, these all got revealed. Kagoth Z, the Twister Time. I'm going to drop these in just to remind the players when they're doing their notes. I want to have them on hand. I'm actually going to create a different section for this called the Kill Bill Hit List. And those are the four people that they're trying to destroy. And they now know it. They've, they've heard about these, about these types. Other treasures seek to be found, other weapons to discover and wield, blah, 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 blah. Western side of the citadel is made of the crypts of Holzinger. Yeah, Holzinger, Rife with Undead. Yeah, the Drylands. Here we go. Drylands, also known as Evermoss. So these are two bits of lore that I want to drop on them about the Drylands that I pulled, I think, right out of the Midgard World book. We got that. Many believe the Scar Hall of the Scarlet Citadel are dead or stagnant. Yeah, they, they figured that. Charon is the god of death, master of river sticks. They already they learned that. Charon oversees the passage of life. Yep. Mushlux receives the river as a metaphor for blood flowing through the arteries. They did learn that. Philosophic philosophy is heretical. Eh, doesn't matter. Statues created and placed here by the elves before the coming of the Holzangers as two magical properties, one that was instilled centuries ago by the elves, the other by Kagoth Z and Ushalux working together. Kagosi is a powerful wizard, but completely obsessed with acquiring knowledge of the elves who used to be here. This is probably useful because that one they can find out about. And we want to find out something about Maskalov. Danaska Maskalov. Resident alchemist who was experimenting with the alchemist furnaces, Danaska Maskalov, chased away from her home city of Kronenberg by a murderous mob after experiment gone awry, releasing clouds of maddening vapor that rolled through the neighborhood. This is all good. Fun stuff here. We're going to grab that paragraph. Oh, come on. There we go. Stealing secrets right out of adventures is really handy. I'm not going to bother with the formatting. It'll take forever. Not enough time. What else do we have for Dineska? What's the voter figuring out the furnaces in her work is putting use? Guided by a few hints in the scroll fragments found in the scriptorium. Progress has been painfully slow, mostly too much from trial and error. error. This is all on page 174. So what we can do is we can say, God, I can't, I can't keep it digit in my head, 174. So that way, if I want to look up more information on her, I have it in my notes. In fact, we can, or did I already do it? No. So I can put a page number down and we'll move that up to the top. Write down your page numbers. I think that was everything we had from last one. And so we will take those and put that in old session notes. How are we doing on secrets? One, two, three, four, five. One, two, three, four. We're missing one more secret. The alchemist furnace. I think one of the things we're going to do is that the furnace in area, what area is this? 206, page 54, is drawing tremendous arcane power beyond any one wizard's ability to control. Something 
of tremendous power is pulling into the furnace. It's pulling energy into the furnace, pushing energy into the furnace. Well, let's say the furnace, I guess I'm saying the same thing. The source of this power lies deep, deeper in the citadel. The draw of power to this furnace is forcing the power. Uh, what do I want to say? So the idea here is like, because the furnace is on, because it's working, it's keeping, it's keeping this power tethered and strained. In other words, you know, you can't release the power source without, without getting rid of this furnace. It's like a knot in a rope. It's like a knot in a tangle of ropes. It's sort of pulling. Imagine like all, you have these ley lines that are coming in here. You have the idea is like the, the, the weird weaver's presence is what's pulling the ley lines to this one area. And then they've, they're using that and drawing that off to hold these other areas open. And because those areas are open, it's keeping this knot tied up and they have to release these things to untangle the knot. There are more than, there are multiple nodes of power. There are multiple nodes tying this, these power, these, the, these lines of power together. Each must be disabled to release the tension of the lines. Cats, man. So I think that's good. I think we're good on secrets. I don't think we have to worry too much about fantastic locations because we have them in the book. So read the book. NPCs, we can really just click the NPC tab. I don't know that I need to bring them all in here, but we definitely have Dineska. It's definitely an NPC and Kagoth. Kagoth Z is a potential NPC. And then we have, what's her name? I mentioned her before. It's Ushalux. Okay, we've got her. Kitty. I've got a cat on my lap. Say hello. 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 The face thing doesn't work if I, he decided he wanted more pats. So I guess he's getting some pats. Not getting enough attention. Monster, Deadly Encounter Benchmark. They are second level. There are four of them. That's eight divided by four is two. The Deadly Encounter Benchmark is two. And treasure. So this is where we're going to, let's talk about the sword. I want to do a plus one short sword and I want to have it be special. So in order for it to be special, we are going to use the Sly Flourish random generator. This is a the lazy DM generator. It doesn't generate lazy DMs. So maybe I need to, I don't know what to call this thing. I'm still changing the title. This is a Patreon reward. Patrons of Sly Flourish get access to this generator, plus tons of other stuff, lots and lots and lots of stuff for becoming a patron. And it lets you build all kinds of things. So we're going to build an uncommon magic item. We are going to flavor it with Midgard stuff. Spell effects. We might try some deep magic spell effects for fun. For fun. And we hit random. So we're going to ignore the item. We don't really care. But we have, ooh, an item of Loki that casts Guest of Honor. What is Guest of Honor? First level enchantment. Your words, words whisper encouragement. And a creature that you can touch gains confidence along with approval from strangers. For the spell's duration, the target puts... It's best foot forward and strangers associate the creature with positive feelings. The target adds 1d4 to all charisma. Oh, that's kind of fun. I like that. This is really cool, right? Oh, that's kind of funny. That Look, it was a, luff, a luck stone. Glyft goblinoid. I like that it's, uh, in this case, it was a luck stone, but I think we're going to change that to glyft goblinoid plus one short sword. 
of Loki, the northern trickster god of cunning, mischief, and malice that casts guest of honor. I think that that is a cool because it's a it's a fun like charisma. It's a good way to talk to people. It's a good way to you know and and yeah. And so the idea that the Holzanger had this sword is really kind of fun. It's a magical sword. It came from the Northlands. We need a name for it. I need a, I need a, it could be called charisma. Will be kind of fun. Let's look for other words that mean thesaur or that mean charisma. Allure. That's not bad. Glamour, magnetism, appeal, dazzle. Allure is pretty good too. I'm going to call it allure. I like it. First one. Vogue. <laughs> That's not bad. Random sword name generator. Yeah. Flattery. I think allure is pretty cool. Allure just sounds cool. So we have that. There's, of course, treasure in the book itself too. But let's do a few random. So instead of uncommon magic items, we're going to do item, Midgard, deep magic. Cracked ghoulish necklace of Chernabog, the black god that casts angelic guardian. I like that one. That one's cool. Angelic Guardian, first level. It comes from a minor celestial manifestation to protect a creature you can see within range, faintly glowing image. Presuming a human head. That's cool. Yeah, perfect. So we're going to do that one. That's a one-use item. I like one-use magic items a lot, if you haven't figured that out. And Abyssal Cyclopean Bracelet of Wotan, the Northern Rune Father that casts Prismatic Ray. I, prisma, oh, Prismatic Ray. What is that? What spell level is that? Fifth level spell. Woo! Really powerful. I don't think we're going to drop that on them right, right yet. That's a little bit much. Spiked Cyclopean Earring of Nethus, the King of the Sea, that casts Aspect of the Serpent. I like that. That's kind of cool. You become snake-like. Yeah, that's fun. I like that one a lot. I'll drop that in there. We'll do one more for funsies. Eldric Elven Cup of Holta, the Elven Goddess of Hearth and Seasons, that casts Zymergic Aura. What the hell is that? Seventh level necromancy, a wave of putrefaction surgeon. Oh, we're not going to do that one. I like the rest of it, though. Warp, Mind of Matter, Black Goat's Blessing, Tidal Barrier, Curse of the Grave, Staff of Violet Fire, Spinning Axes, Loki's Gift, Conjure Minor, Voidborn, Bolster Undead. I like the Eldric Cup, so we're going to keep that part of it. But I'm going to look for a different spell. Paragon of Chaos, Time Slippage, Echoes of Steel, Tree Running. Vomit tentacles. Emanation of Yoth. Heart to heart. What does that do? Creature of touch remains stable conscious is reduced to zero. Well, if you I think we have somebody already has that spell. Gremlins. Plague of invisible spirits to harass it. Target to resist the spells and negates. This is kind of fun. Uh, the spell remains in effect. The construct has it. You create, you target a construct and summon a plague of invisible spirits to harass it. That's kind of fun. So gremlins can 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 deconstruct a construct, but we don't have many constructs. But I don't know. You never know if something like that's going to come into play. I don't think there's a lot of constructs that they're going to run into, but you never know. It could also disassemble machines, perhaps. Like, I don't know, a forge. Anyway, so we've got some good, we've got some good treasure. So I think we are all set. I've got my NPCs. I've got my strong start. I can't stand that these are not, set so apparently i said we weren't going to fix these but here we are fixing them there oh glorious the line breaks are fixed that's what ocd gets you yeah i feel pretty good i feel i, I like my strong so i want to i want to query i want to query the folks on twitch boy i wish there was a poll i don't know how to do polls help me out man
Poll. Open a setup menu to create a poll. Question. Is Mike's intro to this session, is it cool or bullshit to have a, to have the shadows and specters run from a wraith? Uh, I can't, I can't, I can't, apparently the question can't be that, it can't be that long. Cool or BS to have shadows and inspectors or and have shadows run from a wraith responses cool bullshit duration one minute all right so this is the, the before i launch it just so you understand what exactly i'm asking is i am asking i'm going to be bringing my idea for having a good strong start to this is the idea that the shadows inspectors flee from a wraith that's going to show up is that cool or is that bullshit am i steering things too much or is it no that sounds like fun so i'm gonna start the poll Content does not meet guidelines. You know why? Because it doesn't like the word bullshit, probably. There we go. So who thinks it's cool? Who thinks it's BS? Hey, three people think it's BS. Four people think it's BS. It's only going to run for a minute, so we're going to see. Am I steering things too much? Is it too railroady? Should I, but, but you know, again, I go to the thing of like, I screwed up to begin with. Like if I was running, but I never really liked, I just don't like, and this is where I come to uh, difficulty with this, with this adventure, because like, I'm not the kind of guy who's like, oh yeah, I'm just going to do exactly what the book says. And if you guys all die, well, that's what the book did. I don't like that. No, it's fun. We're all having fun. So, so that's how I feel. Could have one fleeing shadow go through one of the PCs. That'd be kind of nasty. I mean, they're they're already they're, they got the crap kicked out of them. They're really not in a great a great way. And the poll is done. Roughly one out of three, one four out of five people think it's cool. One out of five people think it's BS. Good to know. And we had about forty-ish, a little bit more than forty people vote. Cool. I'll live with that. I'll I'll live with an eighty to an eighty twenty split. My friends, I want to thank you for hanging out to, with me today while I did my game prep. If you enjoyed this show, you can subscribe to the Sly Flourish newsletter and get access to a weekly D&D related article sent directly to your inbox, plus announcements of special features, announcements of other things that are going on, and a free adventure generator PDF. It's absolutely free. Just sign up with your email address. You can support me directly on Patreon. A very low monthly fee gets you access to all kinds of exclusive content. The generator I was just showing, City of Arches source book, bunch of exclusive adventures, tons of material. Tons of stuff for Sly Flourish patrons. Patrons really get access to a lot of really great stuff. And you can pick up any of my books at the Sly Flourish bookstore. The links for all three of these are in the show notes. Please check them out. You can also go to Sly Flourish if for some reason the show notes aren't working. Go to slyflourish.com. Top of the level. It has newsletter, Patreon, and bookstore all right there in the top. Thank you all so much. Have a great day and get out there and play some D&D.